Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to my, I almost was going to say Thursday edition, but it's only Wednesday. Way to go. Um, Wednesday edition of Sin's Chat Corner. Thanks so much for being so patient this week. I know it's been kind of a slow week, but with Easter coming up, I thought, well, what the hell, let's take a couple of days off. But now I'm obviously on air today and very excited to announce I'm going to be having my uh, exclusive interview with Mr. Jiggly Jones in about three seconds here. So I just want to say a quick shout-out right away to Michael Stover. Thanks so much for taking the time. As always, you're such a good sport, such a wonderful fellow for setting this up. So without further ado, since I see Jiggly's on the line holding, let's get him on here and let's get going with our interview. Hi. Hi, Mr. Jiggly Jones. How are you? I'm great, and I agree with what you're saying about Michael. So <laughs> You're listening in so you can hear me, right? I'm like, yes, you got to give props. You got to give props to the promo <laughs> people because, you know, they do what they need to do. And without him, I wouldn't have you right now. And if I didn't have you, I'd be pretty bummed. So here And you are. know what? I want to I want to give you some props for the nice little write-up you, you did on me on your Facebook. Oh. I just noticed. Oh. <laughs> are so you so you sweet? Go. Well, see, this is what we do. We talk about you in such a wonderful light, and then we do the interview. <laughs> I make you look 25,000 times better, and then you go off and you become a big star, and then you ignore me and say, I don't know who that girl was. I did some oh, interview no. ages ago. <laughs> That'll never happen. Well, thank you so much. And I am very nervous, so I'm going to try to not be nervous with this because I was I was looking at your um your website and looking at you and listening to your music and and so powerful, so resonating. Oh my goodness thank gracious! You. You're a doll. I mean, you're a whiz. I mean, I'm 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 really taken aback. So I've tried to come up with some really kick-ass questions. Um, okay. The first one. This has really been bothering me all day today, and I'm like, I got to ask this guy right off the bat. I know what and it I know is. You know what I'm going to ask. Let me see. Um, how long have you been married? <laughs> oh, married? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say where get the name at. <laughs> well, that's um, common, but I figured I'll surprise you. I think it's somewhere around 12 years or so, 13, something like that. Oh, goodness like gracious. Good for you. Now, is your lady love um, in your occupational area, meaning obviously, of course, musician or writer or any of those things? No, she's not. Not at all. She just happened to be my next-door neighbor growing up. So how... how oh. uh, how neat is that? <laughs> oh, how romantic. Oh, we're having a moment yeah. on Sin's Jack Corner. This is like the notebook revisited. How cool. Well, congrats yeah. on that one. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my musicians here in Milwaukee are a little bit flaky, so we're kind of like, yeah, we don't get <laughs> right. musicians. They're all a little, you know, they're a different brand. They're just, they yes, run the, differently. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> yes, you definitely are. Now, obviously, of course, you, you opened the floodgates, so I have to ask. I, I assume that Jiggly Jones is your real name, or is this a stage name? Well, uh, I think everybody could guess on that one. It's, it's not my real name, but my real name is really boring. So uh, I figured really? I needed to catch some catch some eyes before I caught their ears. And, uh, okay. and it's been a nickname of mine for probably like maybe 17 years or so. Um, okay. I was in a band up in New York, and, and for some reason that, that name or that word was being kicked around in a group of people. We were uh, sitting down having a little party or whatever, and I got stuck with it. And uh, everybody there thought it was funny. And um, from that point on, in that circle of friends that I had, uh, I was known as Jiggly. So uh, when really? I when I started this project, yeah, when I started this project, I thought, you know, why not use my nickname? Uh, it's it's a lot more catchier than Brian. So, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh my God, how funny is that? That is so cute, yeah. actually. Because you know, I was thinking to myself, because I I'm I'm an artist, so I wear bangles all the time. So I'm like I'm jiggling all the time. So I'm thinking, is this like a coin thing? Is he like walking around with coins in his pocket or something? No, I I still don't know why they why we came up with that word. I can't remember why. Um, it just 
seemed to make everybody laugh, so I stuck huh. with it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I've been laughing all day. I'm like telling people, who are you interviewing today? Oh, Jiggly? Yeah, don't ask because I don't really know yet. I'm like, I'll find out later, right? <laughs> well, maybe so maybe that'll okay. be the reason they remember then, right? There you go. That's exactly right. Uh, we're hoping to get that name on the map, hopefully. Um, right. I wanted to ask maybe if you could let the listeners know how you enveloped into becoming the musician that you are, meaning let's go back, let's step a ways back, and let's say where you first began. Tell us a little bit. Of, here you are, a little child, and, and you're at home, and are we just banging on all sorts of things at home and, re, and realizing, yeah, we want to be a musician? Or how did all this come about? Uh, well, you know, there was a big gap between the time I, as a child, I started playing an instrument, which happened to be the clarinet, because my parents wouldn't let me play the drums. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, so, and ironically, uh, my younger brother ended up playing the drums a few years later, so, you know, that he's the spoiled baby, I guess, so. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, fourth and fifth grade, sixth grade, that kind of thing. So I learned, you know, the the idea of music and how to play it as far as reading music and things then. But then there's a big gap uh, after I stopped doing that till I became a teenager. And, you know, everybody that's a teenager loves music. That's that's the most, uh, the biggest record-buying uh, public percentage or whatever um, for a reason. And... Uh, mm-hmm. I started playing the bass guitar, and um, that's what I did for, oh, six, seven years. I was a bass guitar player in numerous uh, cover bands in the area and this and that. Um, I branched out into original music. Um, it, it got to the point where I, I, I got fed up with dealing with different things, and I decided to, to try songwriting myself. At, to that point, I didn't realize I could actually do it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, once I realized I could, I... I that's, that's what I did from then on out. Um, this particular project, Jiggly Jones, is only five years old. Um, everything I, out, I did before that was, uh, you know, different kinds of music and this and that. But this brings me back to my roots. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the other bands I was in, it was more of a collaboration. This is more me and me alone um, as far as the, the style of music and, and things like that, so... Right, definitely. Now, I wanted to ask you, because obviously, of course, when you're first starting out, did did you find it easier for yourself personally to compose the music, or was it easier for you to actually create the music, meaning musically? Uh, Compose it, meaning what, writing it down? Right, correct. Writing Uh, is compared to actually playing music. Some people have a match naturally Um, and just say, yeah, I'm better at this. Everything I do uh, writing-wise is done on some kind of recording setup, I don't actually read music. Uh, I don't. There's no sheet music. There's no nothing like that is written down except for the lyrics. I usually start with an acoustic guitar and, and come up with some kind of chord progression, and then I put like a scat uh, melody over top of that, and then I actually do the lyrics last. Um, however, the the song is making me feel. That's sort of the way the, the the lyrics, the direction the lyrics head in. So you know, the emotion of the the music is already placed down. And then the lyrics come at the end when I'm feeling that emotion, and, and it, it reminds me of certain things. But uh, back to the question, I think you're asking, what, what do I like better? I think personally, let's say when you first started out, because we all know that obviously the musician you are right now is not what you were back you know, when you were a much younger right. person. So back then, sometimes you can get a feel for it. Like I knew at age 12 I was going to be a writer, and this is what I wanted, and I didn't care if I you know, did this, that, or the other thing. It just had to be writing. So I guess for you, was there that nat, you know, that one thing right off the bat where you thought, I'm really good at this, and I'm going to do all well of this? Yeah, that's the whole key. I mean, you have to have a confidence in yourself to to. to to gain perseverance and in this business you need perseverance more than anything 
you get you get ripped apart by people, friends, family, uh, strangers, constantly. Uh, some of them that don't understand the process. Some of them that say you're crazy for even pursuing it, uh, no matter how good you are or whatever. So you have to believe in yourself. And uh, there was a time, like I said, that I didn't know I could actually write music. I was a bass player. Um, you know, obviously I loved music at that time. And I tried it. Uh, I started playing the guitar a little bit, got a little bit better at it, then, and started writing a few songs. And then I was like, wow, I, I mean, I can actually do this, I think. So, yeah, there was a, a defining moment, I would say. Sure. Now, do you feel, and this is just a personal question here in terms of if you were to look at your career, which one, are you pulling for one or the other, meaning Jiggly Jones, somewhere at some point in the line is going to be happier saying, yes, I'm a successful songwriter or I'm a successful musician? Uh, I would go the songwriter route. Um, really? You know, I, 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 I would like to be recognized as a songwriter first, uh, maybe a, a vocalist second. Um, as far as playing instruments and, and things like that, that, that's not as important to me. Uh, they, I, they're just tools that I use to, to create the song itself. So um, if I'm recognized at all, it would be as a songwriter. That would be my, my thing. Perfect. Awesome. That's wonderful. Now, I must tell you this before I go on in the interview. You look much scarier than how you sound. Because part of the reason <laughs> I was so nervous is I looked at you and I'm like, oh, my God, he's just making me nervous looking at him. You have that presence, by the way. You're kind of like that gruff-looking sort of, I was like, I don't even know right. what the hell to expect when he comes on my show. <gasps> You're so much nicer. Well, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm a hillbilly at heart, so the picture sort of shows that, ah. that side of me as far as being from the country and, and this and that. But, uh I yeah, I, I guess I'm, I consider myself to be a nice guy. I try to be. Um, you know, I'm a father, so I have to, right. I have to, you know, be careful about what I become in, in their eyes. So, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Now, it's my understanding that obviously pre-musician days, we all obviously before we got into our chosen career, usually have a different occupation. And I know that you found um, some of your time spent in the public relations field. Which I thought was that was unusual. that was a brief period of time actually, uh, and I was uh, totally in the dark about about that. That that happened to be a company in Los Angeles that was interested in possibly managing me at the time, uh, but they mm -hmm. weren't quite ready to to sign me on. So I actually just decided to become a, a an office worker for them and uh, got to see firsthand how that that side of the business worked. I'm not saying that I'm good at that. That's for sure. I'm not. I'm certainly not a. Um, I'm not. I'm no Michael Stover. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I was but, just uh, gonna throw that out there and say that too. Wow. Yeah. We love Michael um, Stover you know, on this program. That, yeah, I, I struggle with that more than anything. I'm, I'm sort of on the shy side when it comes to you know my my social bearing and things. So um, you know, I like I said, I consider myself a songwriter, and that's my concentration. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I learned a few things. I met a few people out there. It was, it was really cool while it lasted. Um, you know, it ended within six months because I ended up signing with a manager in, in London, England. So I moved back to the East Coast, um, you know, and that was that. Gotcha. Now, do you find, it? and, and obviously you're saying you're admitted shyness there, um, you think you'll be able to get over this? Because the reality is, I think we both know, if you become the successful quote-unquote rock star, you're going to be in people's faces all the time. Is that going to be okay <laughs> with you? Is that going to max your, you know, is it going to, like, freak out your personality? Like, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe if, when I was younger, you know, but the name of my EP is No Spring Chicken. So I I, yeah. I have a few years of, of dealing with uh, people in general under my belt. But 
Uh, I don't know. You know, that's a, that would be to, to to vault into that category as far as being recognized by people. I haven't dealt with that, so sure. you know, obviously, you don't know how you're going to deal with it. But uh, I'm willing to try, and uh, you know, I'm not short. I'm never short on words, so um, you know, it's it's something that uh, I would take one day at a time, like anything else. Oh, certainly, definitely. Um, and now I know that you had indicated that you were only in that PR area for a short amount of time, but do you think that you took anything from that time that's helped you as far as the musical side of things? Did it teach you anything or enhance things for you in any way? Uh, I think everything I've done so far has, even if it wasn't musical, if it was business-related over the years, uh you know, music has become a business, and that's, you know, I'm aware of that. Uh, and maybe that's the one thing that I did learn out there was how how business-related everything was. And, you know, sure. if you had somebody in your corner, it really, it really helps. I mean, even if you're not the most talented person, if you're pushing forward and you have somebody that believes in you, um, mm-hmm. the business side takes over, and maybe you can become something eventually. Um, so... You know, I, it was it was cool because I got to talk to some people on the phone that were that were big time. Uh, Will Rogers Jr. was one of the people that I talked oh. to. He was he was uh, I'm sure a lot of people know who he was. Um, he he was actually one of our clients was had done a uh, a ghost town documentary and he was the narrator in that. So I talked to him a few times on the phone and that was really neat. You know, sure. among among others. What a cool experience. You've got a hell of a job. Just going to say that. I've always said that about musicians. I'm like, you get to do what you love. You get to meet really, really cool people. Not unlike my job, of course, because I have the coolest people in the world on my show. But it's neat, isn't it? It's just a neat experience, I think. It is really, really cool. It is, you know, but a lot of people don't realize there's also a lot of stress involved in it. You know, you have, especially if you're very goal-oriented, uh, like I am, I, I stress myself out if I'm not achieving these goals at the at the pace that I want to. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I guess most people create their own stress, but you know, I'm I'm one of those people, and uh, you know, the the public doesn't really see that. I imagine that's why a lot of uh, musicians drink and and have troubles dealing mm-hmm. with things. It's it's a stressful thing. It's it it just is, and it's hard to explain unless you do it. Especially the creative side of things. It, it's just. You have to put yourself into a whole different mindset, and and uh, I personally can't do the creative side and do the touring kind of thing at the same time. Hmm. It's just uh, hmm. I have to focus on one thing at a time. So. No, I know exactly what you mean, and it is tough because I'm doing both. Uh, I've got the double-edged sword here. I'm sitting here marketing and sales, and of course finding my own people to come on my show most of the time. It, it takes a unique person to handle all of that. So kudos to the fact that you're you're managing very well, you're being managed very well, and you present yourself very well. Um, Michael, the rounds and so Michael really does um, find the most unique clients who bring to the table such immense talent. And I'm always, I, I'm just never disappointed. I always know that when That's I'm going to have someone on, they're going to be terrific. So you're doing, you're doing absolutely wonderful. You're making me a little Thank nervous you. still, but that's okay. We're working on it. Um, <laughs> Now, I know that you've had the distinct honor of working with Terry Wench, who I know um, has uh, obviously collaborated with the beautiful, talented Shania Twain. Right. Now, uh, I don't know was... if you know this or not. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, no. That's fine. You're the guest. I was just going to say, he's he's actually a good friend of mine. We've become good friends. and uh, Really? And I, I talk to him, you know, once in a while, every couple months or so. And, and yeah, he... Uh, 
He's a really good guy. I wanted to ask about that, as a matter of fact, the relationship. Now, first of all, I want to preface this off on how ironic is this, because not so long ago somebody had told me that I actually bear a likeness to Shania Twain herself, which okay. is one hell of a compliment, let me tell you, because she's yeah, a Yeah, I mean, there's just no saying it. I mean, she's a doll. I'm like, wow. Okay, <laughs> now if we could just get my likeness on my show, I think we'd be a lot happier, but okay. Um <laughs> I wanted to address this. Um, for you personally, how do you feel that Terry's guidance and partnership with you in the regard of creating music has more finely tuned your product or made it better? Uh, once again, I mean, that that was one of a million experiences that uh, have, have have formed who I, who I am musically. Um, Terry brought to the table the Nashville thing. He that's where he's from and that's where I was when we got together and uh he actually took me out to Music Row and uh showed me showed me the town and he took me to a, a time jumper show. Um if you don't know who they are, that's Vince Gill. He has like a side project and it's a bunch of guys and, and a and a woman who have been backup players for famous people like Mel Tillis and stuff, and they, they're unbelievable. Matter, matter of fact, my family uh, and I went to see them a, about a month ago up, up near where I live. But, uh, okay. I mean, that was just a, a surreal thing, just sitting you know, five feet from Vince Gill in this bar, basically. And these guys are just wailing away. It was amazing. It was something I've never experienced before. But I probably took more out of that particular night than any of the... Other things that me and Terry did, we're, we're actually still sitting on some music that hasn't been released yet. Um, it's unfinished, sitting down in his place right now. So, oh my goodness, really? How cool yeah, is that? See, that's neat. Hopefully, we'll finish it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'll be crossing my fingers, like, okay, what's he going to be doing here? <laughs> um, speaking of one facet of you that I found is just overwhelmingly impressive to me is that you have either written and or assisted in the creation of over 100 songs thus far during your career. Um, I can't even imagine developing such an immense amount of songs. I mean, that that just sounds huge to me. Um, and as a writer myself, I know that I fear at times that what I call the quote-unquote creative well will one day dry up. Um, do you ever have that same concern about yourself? Do you ever think, what if it just goes away one day? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, when that, when you pick up the guitar that day, you're thinking, can I still play this thing? <laughs> and, uh, it's like riding a bike though. Um, and I'm sure you can relate to this. It, it's just, uh, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself. Some, that's my biggest fear. Like, so, you know, most of those songs people haven't even heard yet, hopefully. Um, and I, you know, as a human being, you're only influenced by so much in your life so you're only going to have your own niche and uh you know 100 songs by the 25th or 30th song you you feel like you might be repeating yourself a little bit in places you know mm -hmm. but that that's yeah. stretched out over the years so my you know as you get older your musical loves change i mean you know when i was younger i liked heavier music and and back when i was really young i listened to classic rock and you know Things like that. So, it, you know, depending on the way the music industry has changed, you know, everybody, you know, relates to music as 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s music because, for a reason. You know, that styles change and they follow trends and things. And, and if you're on the tip, you, you, you pay attention to that and, and you can it can influence you. Definitely. Now, if I were to ask you, were there maybe one or two primary themes 
behind this collection of musical magic, meaning obviously, of course, 100 songs I know is a lot, but do you find yourself primarily sticking to one or two themes or, or you know, like obviously I hear some writers say to me, you know, I typically try to keep to one subject, meaning it's love or it's about my family. Or right. Were there those primal themes for you? Uh, once again, that changes with time. Uh, right now, this project in particular, I, I try to generalize with my lyrics. There's very few times that I get specific and write a song about a specific thing because I think the the listener likes to take the music and the lyrics and put that into their own life. And I'm trying to make that a little easier for them. I, you know, it's mainly about life itself, um, different different uh, emotions, things like that. Uh, for example, the the first single off the EP, Baby Blue, uh, that was inspired by the birth of my son. Um, but the song wasn't written specifically about him. It's about it's about uh, young children and how what kind of joy they can bring to you. And people, obviously, there's millions and millions of people who who feel that way. You know, that that, that have kids and and understand that it's almost like a lullaby in, in a way. Definitely, I would agree with that. Uh, also. Do you ever find that you have moments where you question the quality of the words that you've composed and maybe just take a whole piece and just trash it and say, you know what, we're not even using this. We're starting all over. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, like <laughs> That's I said, what I, I thought. <laughs> I, the, the creative side, like I said, is very stressful for me. It, it's just because of that I'm very hard on myself. I've I've trashed lyrics. I've trashed musical parts, melodies, harmonies, everything. I've got a song right now, I think I've written it and rewritten it maybe five times. It had five different names and five different sets of lyrics and, you know, (laughs) so, and I'm still not done with it yet. I sort of put it on the back burner for now, but um, it just has such a nice sound to the the progression that I I don't want to throw it out the door, but it's uh, it's consumed a lot of my time. Oh, I imagine. Definitely yes on your question. Okay, well, and of course, the the one curiosity question that I keep here is, if I were to ask you right now, and this could be in your own genre or otherwise, if I were to say to you, who's had the most profound profound impact on you, meaning from a songwriting perspective and the music you've listened to or are a fan of, who's that number one person that just speaks to you lyrically? Uh, that's the million-dollar question, and I've, I've been asked that a lot. So I've had time oh. to think about it and narrow it down to, I would say, Neil Young. Um, he's just somebody I never ever get tired of hearing. Um, he's unique in it. He, he's definitely his own person, his own sound. Um, okay. and it's sort of in the same genre that, that I grew up listening to from a very young age. Um, so I would say, Neil, you know, I mean, I could add James Taylor in there, um, and a million other people. I've always said that you know musical influence comes in every single thing that you hear, whether it's a commercial, um, you know anything influences you musically. So uh, I listen to Mozart. Um, I like heavier really? music. I, I'm a big Zeppelin fan from back in the day. Um, I like more modern heavy stuff. Uh, country music, I love it. Um, it. It goes on and on. But I would say if there's one particular songwriter, it would be Neil Young. Okay. That's kind of what I figured as much, but I thought, well, it never hurts to ask. Although I thought that question was original, but heck no. Apparently everybody else has asked that one, so let's see. We'll try a different one here. Um, I know in the past that some of your prior performances have been not only in Pennsylvania, but as you mentioned as well as in New York. First of all, I wanted to ask you, and I think I might know this might be a no-brainer, but 
competition-wise, because I think we all know in each one of our fields, musically or otherwise, there can sometimes be a huge level of competition. Um, do you find that in Pennsylvania as compared to New York, um, that varies? Uh, two different beasts, basically. Uh, New mm-hmm. York is set up for, for entertainers. It's You come into New York and you're an entertainer or you're not. In Philadelphia, there's... Um, it's a very also a very big town for music but it it's it's more saturated with bands that um from cover bands to anything it's it's believe it or not i've had a better an easier time in new york city um getting a following and uh getting gigs and things like that than philadelphia it just seems like philly is really? so saturated with I don't know, maybe it's because they don't have as many clubs, uh, venues to offer. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, a real, it's a real competition in the Philly area, especially, I, I believe. Um, you know, wow. New York's more of a national market. That, you know, it, it, right. You know, if you're a cover band, you're not going to drive into Manhattan and play unless you're like some really big uh, band that plays at the, you know, the big motels and hotels and things like that. Sure. Um, it's New York's more of an, an all original setup. Philadelphia has all that stuff, so you know you're fighting and scrapping to, to get in. Yeah, I guess I never would have thought about that that way because I was like, yeah, I, w- I was actually just in New York three weeks ago, as a matter of fact, and I just checked out okay. a couple bands, and I thought to myself, oh my god, what a beautiful forum! You know, I was at Gramercy Theater, and they had Rubik's Cube, which is an '80s band that was playing there. I thought they have yeah. such amazing venues there. In fact, I should ask you that right. now that I know, I know. The gentleman who runs Webster Hall. Have you been to Webster Hall in New York? Yes, I have. That's the big nightclub there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I could totally see this guy playing. I could see you playing Webster Hall. We need to get you to play Webster Hall. I'm going to bring this up. That would be great. Webster (laughs) Hall would be a cool thing. Um, I have to ask now, um, just collectively over the year, if you could describe for us. Now, how often is your time spent in Pennsylvania compared to New York? Are you kind of doing the dual role here? Or how is your time mostly spent? Um, The New York thing was... A few years back, mainly, the, the band that I was in at the time uh, where Jiggly came up, uh, that was a New York band, so I spent a good three years playing in nowhere but New York. Um, but uh, I would say most of the time I'm in, in Pennsylvania right now. Obviously, you know, we want to branch out and, and, and get going uh, in a national sense, but um, I'm, I'm close enough to the Maryland border that and the Delaware border that I play in Wilmington, Delaware sometimes. So, you know, oh. it, and, and I could even shoot over to New Jersey within an hour, hour and a half drive. So that area of those four states is, is mainly where I'm focused right now. So, Gotcha. Perfectly understandable. Now, another question for you. Now, I know obviously that you play professionally, but are there still occasions where you get a chance to participate? And obviously, of course, here in Milwaukee, we call them open jams, which I presume you do there. Do you ever just get to go out and kind of open jam at a bar or just show up someplace with a guitar and sit down and just say, I'm sitting in? Well, you know, funny you should say that because right now, it seems more than ever, open mic nights are really popular. I know. There's there's actually websites that you can go to to tell you where the open mics are in your area, what time they are, this and that and the other. And I've done tons of open mics over the last three years or so. And it's it's more difficult than you would think. I'm the kind of guy who needs to warm up and know what time I'm playing and and be prepared. And you go to those and you don't know where you're going to play. And you, you you know everybody's in a hurry, so they rush you up there. You do two, three songs, and you're off. So it's like this, this blur. You know, you just 
you, you you went down there, you sat for an hour, and then you played three songs, and then you're done. It's like they kick you right off the stage. And but it's it's neat because it's it, there always seems to be a, a good crowd because everybody wants to be heard, and it's, it's sort of fun if you have the time to do that. Sure, I bet. And of course, I could I logically could see you doing that just because your actual physical presence. Just looking at you, I think to myself, he fits in perfectly. You know, like with my friends, you can just tell they got the right hat, they got the right look, they just kind of pop their books <laughs> down there and say, let's just play whatever comes to mind. doesn't matter what it is. could be any genre of music. They just love their playing so much. That's why I love the concept right. of open jam. It's playing whenever you want, and, and just it's just so much fun. I, I really do. Now, right. this is a very important question. I've asked this before, so maybe you can help me with this one. Okay. I want to know what it's going to take to get Michael Stover to play. I'd like him to play with you. I'd like him <laughs> to play with any of his artists. What do we have to do to get your publicist to perform? Have you seen him perform? I, no, I haven't. But he he, he says, and I, I listened to him in an interview a couple of weeks ago, he says he, he loves playing. He just doesn't have time. And I could believe that because he is a workaholic. And uh, he is always uh, he's always doing his job and, uh, I can understand why he doesn't doesn't have the time to do it. He, I think he did play with his, his um, I think his, his name is Xander Demas. Xander, like yeah. a shredder mm-hmm. guitar player. I think yep. he did at least do one 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 track on the drums with him that I know of. I'm just going by what I heard in the interview. So, and I know Michael has a past at, at playing in bands and things. So I'm sure he he misses that to a point. But he he loves his job as a manager and. Uh, Sure, I mean he he can sit in with me anytime he wants. <laughs> yeah, He's all the way over Michael in Pittsburgh, Stover? though. So. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say it's worth making the trip, buddy. And by the way, yeah, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for squealing on him because now he's in trouble because he hasn't been on since Jack Corner yet. Ouch. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a good talker, so. Yeah, he is actually. Yeah. I think I got a good shot at him, so we'll have to see. <laughs> Definitely. Um, now, truthfully, I have to give you my impressions because obviously I have sat and listened to your music. And so your music, to me, screams of a combination of two people, one of which you hit right on the head, which is, of course, um, Bob Dylan is one of them. Okay. Or no, you said Neil Young. That's right. See, I say Bob yeah, Dylan. I, I, but think I think Michael said similar. Bob Dylan. Okay. In, that could in be. the little bio that he wrote up when when I first signed yeah. with him, I think Bob Dylan, I think he said Tom Petty and Bob Dylan, so... And I definitely do hear the Bob Dylan part. I definitely do, just in listening. Okay. Before I even listen to the bio, I usually listen to the music. So I got that one. Now, this one you may not recognize as much, but you do remind me of an older version of Rob Thomas, Rob Thomas being of Matchbox 20, okay. who I have a right. great adoration for. I, I love his voice. I think it's just amazing. I see a combination of the two. Hopefully you huh. do. Otherwise, I sound like a dumbass. Um, I'm, I'm the last person to ask what I sound like. I, you know, <laughs> over, the, over the years... I I have been compared to so many different singers; it's unbelievable. And you know, everybody I guess you know has their different idea of what what that why that is. Um, right. If you ask me to compare myself to anybody, I'd be stuck. Um, really? You know, it's just it's just like listening to your own voice on your your answering machine or something. That you don't like to hear it as much as you have to. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I you know I've David Bowie a million times. People have said that. Um, you know, on and on and on, different things. Even Axl Rose, believe it or not, um, wow, has been a name that's come up more than once. So yeah, I guess that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse to be compared to so many different people, but I'll take whatever people <laughs> are saying. You know, I was gonna say, and if they're highly known, I'd say, oh yeah, that's quite the compliment. So kudos to yeah, you. Right. Awesome, terrific. And of I mean, course, Bob Dylan, I mean, how, how much higher I mean, do you Bob, get than that, right? 
Right. I mean, that's an icon for sure, so. I tried, you know. I really did try. I was like, okay, don't, you know, you got to be really accurate and on point with this. And I listened, then I re-listened, and I'm like, yeah, it's there. But that again, that's me. I'm not a music, you know, professional, but that's just my two cents on it. And well, to me, it comes. That. Well, thank you. Uh, for me personally, it comes as no surprise that your music um, has uh, found its way to both, obviously, TV and film soundtracks. In case people did not know that, which we're going to get into. So before talking about those particular projects. In your opinion, would it be fair to classify your music style? And this is, again, what I get out of it is, is I'd call it soft rock. But my guess is that you're probably going to veer towards country. So I'm just curious to find out what you classify your musical style as and, and why you feel that as such. Well, it's funny because now they have a a genre called alt country, alternative country. And that pretty much covers both of those Rock and country. Back in the day, they used to call some of that stuff southern rock. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's really good that nowadays country music is branching out to different types of of stuff, and and uh, it's it's perfect for me because that's sort of, you know, I'm not certainly not country straight country. I'm I'm left of center when it comes to that. I I do have a rock background, so that influence is going to be there. But mm-hmm. uh, I would say. The Americana push these days um, is, it seems to be the genre that I'm being pushed in myself, um, and that's coming. That's becoming real popular with bands like the Lumineers and uh, Mumford and Sons, and uh, it's it's almost like perfect timing that that that's opening up. Um, so I, you know, uh, I don't care how people classify me as long as they like it. Um, it's 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 more of an industry thing to be placed in a certain category. Um, so wherever they want to place me, I'm fine with that. And uh, right now it's Americana, so I'm going to run with that. Cool, definitely. Interested to also ask this question too: Is there a particular genre you haven't tried that you think you might explore somewhere down the line? Uh, well, I'm not good enough to play classical music like Beethoven. <laughs> but okay. I, I listen to that stuff a lot. Um, I'm a big time Mozart fan. I you know, I don't, I'm not embarrassed to say that, but um, I know that might sound corny or whatever. But uh, it, I don't know. There's, I've over the years I've covered a lot of different genres. Like I said, I, I when I was in New York, I played hard, like heavier rock music, something along the lines of maybe like the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something like that, more aggressive stuff. Um, okay. Before before that or between that and now, I did other things that that might have been considered soft rock. Um, and now um, I'm going back to my roots, and that's more of a something that's more Americanized-ish in the countryside, but maybe a little different. So I don't know if there's anything left I'd, I would want to get into, unless somebody steered me in that direction or whatever. Sure, I understand. Okay, I want to talk a little bit, of course, uh, we'll start with your television projects, because I know that there are at least two shows that your music has been uh, presented on, one of which being the Dennis Rodman show, and the other, of course, being a reality project called Road Rules. And they probably, of course, served as a platform to your music. Excited to say that, of course. Now, the listeners may be interested to know how an artist such as yourself achieves a feat such as this, meaning somebody just make a random phone call one day. What's the process involved with getting your music onto television? Uh, there's a bunch of different ways, just like everything else. But you know what? The, the saying about it's who you know, that's uh, mm-hmm. probably the most important thing. 
Now, how you get to know these people is, is, is sometimes difficult. It's just like getting any job on the street. If you knew somebody that worked at a certain place, you're, you're, there's your in. In this case, uh, with the MTV stuff, um, the drummer in the band happened to be friends with somebody who worked for MTV. And um, she was involved in the soundtrack projects, and that's where we ended up. Um, this was the band in New York that I was talking about. Um, so we were actually background music um, in, in these shows. The other one was uh, Cindy Crawford. Uh, she had a, a fashion show called House of Style. That was another one that we mm -hmm. were involved with. And, but that was that was a while back. That was before Jiggly Jones came about, and that was mm -hmm. a whole different kind of music. Um, you know, MTV doesn't seem to be as accessible anymore. It's branched out in all, a bunch of different things, that, especially musically. But, uh, I know. That, so that's how we, we hooked up with that. And whatever happened to MTV, because I always say that to myself, I'm like, they used to hail being the music video king of the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you'd always be able to check out videos, and I'm like, what happened to the videos? This is supposed to be music right. television, right? I'm like, well, yeah. where is all this, you know? <laughs> I think the yeah, M means yeah. something else now. I don't know what, but it's not music, that's for sure. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. Yeah. It means like reality. Reality TV has become like the king and queen nowadays, you know right. what I mean? Absolutely. No. And you know, and just to, oh, go ahead. I was going to say I had to I had to say at least MTV was the the uh you know, the the tip of the spear. So that was good for them you know, as far as getting things rolling. So you can't you can't say too much bad about them if you're a musician. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Now, of course, obviously, because of the regular average person doesn't know this either, now, you've got your music into the show. Does that mean that you record the music, you send it to them, or do you actually get a chance to meet these people? Like, for instance, Dennis Rodman's show, so yeah, we went there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. People are always curious about that kind of stuff. No, we, we never met any of those people. This was music that was already recorded that they just took pieces of. We actually had a demo that was, I don't know, six or seven songs or so, and they would just take pieces out, and you know, for me, I was the vocalist in the band, and my voice was never in that. It was always they always used just the music part. If you ever listen to the background music, normally the, the vocals aren't there. I guess it takes away from the the people that are talking in the show and things like that. So, but I, you know, I was just as proud as the rest of the guys because I, I was playing with a group of really great musicians at the time. As a matter of fact, the bass player in that band is now my co-producer on this on my latest uh, EP. He lives in L.A. Chris oh Tristram. So. Yeah, he's an incredible bass player, and, and that particular band that I played in um, up in New York was just one of my favorite bands that, ever, that I ever played in. They just were such great players, and uh, that's probably one of the reasons they picked this for the soundtrack stuff. So, Oh, I imagine. Now, do you foresee in the future for yourself, producing for television in the future, do you think that's something that you might embark upon again? I'll go in whatever direction people want to hear me. Um, you know, music is music, and if you're, if it's your own, you, the more people that hear it, and no matter what the the reason, uh, the better. So, um, sure. you know, I'm open for any of that stuff. If 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 someone wants to use it for for anything like that, um, okay. just ask me, <laughs> or ask Michael. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So I'm putting my plug in now. So I live in Wisconsin, and you don't. So I think we need to make a request that you come here. Just because okay. I want to see you sing in person, so I can sit there and not be afraid of you in person. I love, I love it when people come and visit, and I love when they bring their talent and they bring their musicians. It's awesome. It's that's great. Yeah, there's no reason for you to fear me. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, well we'll find out, buddy. I haven't met you yet, so we'll I'm just a regular old guy. So exactly. Um, <laughs> now, are there any other shows that I missed television-wise? I know there were the three that we prefaced. Any place else that somebody might be able to catch you television-wise where your music has been used? 
Um, not really, not yet, I should say. Um, we, th- that same band, that that was the band that I, I had most of the stuff done for soundtrack. Um, actually, all the soundtrack stuff I did was f- through that band, and we we actually were in a in a in a B movie too. Um, where we actually did get to go and meet the director of that movie. We actually hung out at his place and watched the movie and had a good time and met one of the actresses and stuff. And that was pretty cool. Um, as far as anybody hearing it now, the only thing that you'll be hearing me on right now is YouTube. So uh-huh. <laughs> this, is a, okay. this, this project is, is, is up and coming, so it's not, I would say, established nationally yet, which is the exciting thing about it. It's It's... It's really coming, especially since I signed with Michael, um, it's really moved on like tenfold. So um, the airplay is coming now, uh, Internet airplay especially. Um, I'm starting to move up certain charts and things. So it's it's really starting to take off, and all that other stuff that you've mentioned hopefully will be in the future. I look forward to it. Yes, and I didn't want to forget about this, obviously, because additionally I know that your music has also been in a feature film by the name of Tainted Love. And I know that you they had utilized some of your work as well. Um, as far as this being a feature film, like say for instance, obviously we know with TV and reality TV, you've got background music. Now, as far as it re- on the film side of things, um, what type of music was utilized for this particular film? Uh, the the one you're talking about, Tainted. Yeah, Tainted Love. That was the same band. It was uh, aggressive rock, I would say. Um, Okay. And that movie was about uh it was a murder mystery kind of thing, uh, a love affair kind of thing that went wrong. Um it, it was a it was an interesting experience. Like I said, we went to the director's house and watched the movie to, until then we had no idea what it, where the music was going to be placed or anything. So that was uh really cool. We just sat there, watched the movie like anybody else would and and said, "Wait a minute, there we are." You know, or here we are and, and you know, I guess I can say this, but it's it's a true story. One of the the first song that came up that was us was during the, was during the love making scene of the movie, which was sort of really funny, okay. uh, you know. Yeah, and then we got to meet the actress that was involved in that when when we were leaving. She showed up at the at the apartment and it was like sort of embarrassing because we just we just saw her like half naked, you know, in the movie. Oh so, my you know. goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, we were more happened. proud of that I think than anything that that he chose. Uh, part of one of our songs to play during that. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Hopefully cool. there's no kids listening. So. Yeah, no, not yeah. at present, thank you very much. But my teenager yeah. might, so now i got to censor my show. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I'm going to guess that you didn't get an Oscar or Grammy off of that one because I was really crossing my fingers thinking he's going to tell me. I got an Oscar for that win, or for that music. No, but no. no. That, was, uh, that, sort of, that movie sort of got lost in the... In the shuffle, I think. Uh, I think it was more released in Europe than anywhere. Um, I think the the director's name was Michael Ross. I'm not sure what okay. he's done since then. But that, like I said, that was a while ago. It was a whole sure. other musical style, and uh, there was a lot happening with that band. I got a lot of experience with that band, and uh, this is a whole new thing, a whole new direction. And it, like I said, the fun part is it's just starting to take off. So. Cool. Very, very cool. And I gather if individuals wanted to check out the movie with your music in it, I'm guessing because it's older at this point, they're going to have to go to the Internet to try to find it. If that's a bad Yeah, I, I imagine so. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, just double-checking. I want to throw that little pump out there for them. Okay, word on the street is, and this is what I hear, that your debut album, No Spring Chicken, which means that I'm guessing you're 35, um, hails quite the potpourri of variety musically. 
um, namely the four songs being Baby Blue, Welcome Home, Ain't That All Right, and Christmas 365. So I got a couple different questions. First of all, okay. uh, maybe enlighten us as far as the actual eventual completion time for the EP from start to finish. Was it a elongated process, or was this relatively quick for you? Well, um, it was. It was. It took a while because uh, since I'm a solo artist, um, I had to accumulate session players and line up. Uh, I was almost like an executive producer too. Like I had to line up everybody, what times to be there, you know. How, how to do this, how to do that, and then sit down with them and, and work work over parts and things. Um, so it did take a while, and then once it was done, you know, the funny thing, this, because of this amazing digital era that we live in, this record was recorded in two separate parts of the country, 3,000 okay. miles apart, and everything was oh sent via uh, website files, uh, website attachments to... My friend who has a studio in L.A., he did the drums and the bass out there. I don't have the facilities to, to mic up drums, studio drums here. Once that was done, he sent it back to me, and I did all the melodic instruments and the vocals back here in Pennsylvania. And then I sent it all back to him again, and he mixed it out there, and he got it mastered out there and sent it all back to me again. So, um, you know, all that process takes, what, uh, 15 minutes to, to send it and and it's out there already, so it's an amazing uh, thing. The digital, digital world. Um, yeah, so it, it, the recording took a while. I would say, let's see, September, maybe five months, um, and then the mix and stuff took another month or so, let's say, because he had other projects to work on and things. Um, so let's say it's six months total um, to record it. Now the songs were written probably six months before I started recording, so. Um, if you add that in there, you're talking about a year, maybe a little over a year before it came to completion. Wow. Okay, gotcha. I want to give people a feel or a sense for that because obviously every person works within their own time frame or, or right, strength right. rather, depending on how many people you've got involved. Um, with this being your initial debut EP, um, more complex for you, meaning that you're, you know, some people strive to that huge level of perfection where it has to be just so, just right the first time. So did you just find it to be more complex work for you in that, or did you find, okay, fine, I, I mean, it's four songs, you know, easier or harder for you? Yeah. Um, I would say a little harder because I had to get used to the, the, the Pro Tools program that was recorded. It was all new to me. Um, that was the hardest part for me was was trying to figure out the the technical side of it. Um, sure. As far as the, arranging the music and layering it and and producing it and that's what I do and that's what I've done for years. Um, so uh, that's the part I I think I love the most is the actual layering of the music, sitting down with say a piano player and saying this is what I want here, uh, and right. being excited to hear what what he actually how he interpreted that and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't say it was any harder than I've done before because that's what I really love the most is that particular part of it all. Gotcha. And now, interesting question again. It seemed a little odd to me, maybe it's just me. You know, Christmas 365, yeah. I can mm -hmm. see where that blends in with the rest of it. <laughs> I was kind of yeah, like, right. is it weird? Well, that was Does a that timing thing. Like weird? <laughs> that was a timing thing that, I tried to time the record to be released right before Christmas, so that was going to work out. And I was going to do the the Christmas song as a single, but then as far as uh, 
financially, it was it was cheaper for me to put it all on the same record instead of having them all cut and, and artwork done for them. And uh, okay. it, it worked out as far as the timing timing goes. And, and the song itself um, is about the idea of of, of Christmas uh, being such a fabulous time for people, the, the great memories that why can't we just continue with that attitude 365 days a year? You know, so I thought, well, if I got to play that song out live in July, why not? Because the song's about the idea of creating that that nice feeling that you get from Christmas throughout the year. And uh, I still play it live. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to play it all year, but, uh, it, you know, it's it's a song that doesn't necessarily sound like your standard Christmas song, so it goes over well. Gotcha. I, I just found that kind of quirky. I was like, hmm, doesn't that seem a little strange to anybody that we've got a little Christmas mix there? And then it got me to thinking, like, okay, on his next EP, is he going to do something for, like, Thanksgiving or Easter? And I'm like, maybe that'll be his MO now. He'll be the guy that has Easter. that song. <laughs> I have an Easter single coming out this week, right? There you go. That's right. Right before Sunday. So hurry up, folks. Everybody right. run out. Oh, by the way, congratulations. Just want to throw out there that the recent collaboration with, of course, the legendary Bill Wentz, which is a radio promoter, so kudos and congratulations on that, because I'm certain that's going to definitely push your uh, career forward threefold. I would say that's awesome. He's he's the guy that's that's uh, trying to procure the radio airplay for me, and he's doing a great job. Uh, he's awesome. from Nashville, and uh, right now I think we have 14 stations around the country that are that are playing that that I'm in their rotation. So, and we just started with this, oh, so it's great. it's still it's still just getting off the ground. Um, yeah. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Welcome Home. I believe that this is the brand spanking new compilation that you have. Two questions. If you could maybe summarize for me the meaning behind this song. And second of all, we need to know obviously where we can get a copy of that or can we get a copy of it as of yet? Yes. Um, anything you need to know about me or um the music itself, as far as purchasing it um, mm -hmm. through iTunes and, and things like that, you can go to jigglyjones.com and uh, and do that. It, anything you need to know as far as Facebook, you can branch out from there. Uh, you can right. stream the music on SoundCloud, this, that, and the other. But uh, Welcome Home, um, that song is another song that's based off of a feeling that you get when you come home. I mean... Uh, we we always say that in my family. I mean, it's, it, it's it's great to be home, even if you're out uh, for two hours. Um, and you know it, it it encompasses the idea of maybe a soldier coming home from from a tour duty. Um, that's got to be an, an unbelievable feeling to welcome someone home from being away like that. Right. Um, so you know that that's that's one idea. But it's it's just the idea that, and once again, it's it's a general idea that people can relate to that if they hear the lyrics they can say wait a minute that's how i feel you know and it's just one of those things that that it's a great feeling to to come home you know if you've been say on vacation in a strange place you come home the vacation was nice but guess what there's no place like home so Exactly right. I couldn't agree more with you on that one. Now, I do know that your next show, obviously, as far as I know, is April 12th, and that's going to be at the Rusty Nail, which is located in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Right. So what other exciting ventures um, do you think your future will hold? I mean, working, I mean, obviously, I know you've got another gig coming up beyond that, but plans for the next six months to a year. If you've got fans listening, individuals that want to see you, what's the best way to do so or to track you down in lieu of a fan club? 
Uh, well, like I said, the, the 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 hub of all the information is is the website jigglyjones.com. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the future goes, uh, a lot of it hinges on the airplay that we're trying to get. Um, Any time you have a tour set up, a lot of it is, is it coincides with the radio play that you get. So maybe a certain region of the country um, will have a lot of uh, a lot of interest, and that's where you would head to. Um, right. Obviously, that's what I'd like to see happen. Um, there's a few things that I'm hoping for that are bigger, and one of them is the uh, Americana Music Association Festival that they have in September down in Nashville. Uh, which okay. we're we're hoping to get a slot in that. Um, there's a Philadelphia Folk Festival that we're hoping for. That's in August. Um, you know, in the meantime, we we're sort of I'm just sort of uh, tuning up and playing locally uh, as much as I can, uh, which really hasn't taken off yet. We're just starting to get that rolling. Um, so hopefully by the end of June or so, um, there'll be enough interest. Uh, as far as the radio airplay to to get things rolling from there, so it, that's the exciting thing. Like I was saying, you don't know what's around the next corner, but it's it's really neat now because everything's out there and starting to move. You're not developing the project anymore; you're actually putting it out there for people to hear and seeing right. where they take it from there. So, definitely, I hear you. Now, before I forget, because I always want to make a point of doing this, I'm going to run through these. So please, when I'm finished, correct me if I'm mistaken here. Obviously, I want to reiterate again, www.jiggly, and that's spelled, by the way, J-I-G-G-L-E-Y, jones.com. You are on iTunes, Reverb Nation, SoundCloud.com, and MySpace. You do have a Twitter handle, which is, of course, at Jiggly Jones, and that's all one word, of course. And then on Facebook, you can be found, which is your fan page, which is Jiggly J. Have I missed anything? Uh, not really. I mean, the the music's actually available on not just iTunes, but eMusic, MP, uh, what's it, Amazon MP3, a bunch okay. of different places. So, um, you know, I found that if I just Google search my name, about 50 pages of crap comes up. So, you know, <laughs> if anybody cool? gets lost on how to find me, uh, you can find me really easy if you just put my name in the, in the search engine of your computer and go for it. it. There's all kinds of things on there, so... That is very cool. Oh, my goodness gracious. So before I let you go, um, I want to say once again a couple of things. First of all, thank you so much to Michael Stover. I am always indebted to him, not only because he is wonderful to work with, but he is truly my friend. And I definitely, definitely, definitely just adore him. I thank him so much for putting us together Excuse me, and um, allowing us the opportunity to get to know one another. Now, it's customary on Sin's Chat Corner, which you probably don't know, but I'm going to tell you that at the end of every interview, I take my 30 seconds, as I call it, to tell the person who's been kind enough to let me interview them just exactly what I think of them. (laughs) So this is my chance to tell you, Jiggly Jones, what my observations are or what they are. So um, if you were impressed with what I said on Facebook, hopefully this will do the same justice, so we'll see. So this is my 30-second take on you. Jiggly Jones, in my in my impression, uh, not only first and foremost, is he so not scary, which I'm so happy to report, <laughs> but he just resonates a very down-to-earth country home feel, extremely intelligent, extremely talented. You are just the modicum of kindness, 
professionalism. I find you to be refreshing because obviously I've talked to other people in your area. And you carry a style that's all your very own, not just in your presence, but the way you sing. I don't know. I can't put a handle on it. But it's just it's unique in its own right. And I find it to be, like I said, refreshing, energetic. I enjoyed listening to it. It's very copy music, which I like. I see you, amongst all of other Michael's um, clients, just destined for greatness. I mean, I cross my fingers and I hold my breath. And I know I don't need to because I've been surrounded by another presence of greatness in the last hour. So I thank you for being who you are and bringing your music into my life. Wow, Cindy, that's that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. I mean, Why do people I give you always big... say this on my show? <laughs> it's if like I was in Wisconsin like, right now, I think I'd give you a big hug. So. Oh, you uh, know, that, I, that is so very kind. I just I, I can tell I, that you just from listening to that, that you prepared that you're an awesome writer yourself. So Really? I mean, that's that, funny because yeah. that's, that last little 30 seconds wasn't written at all. That was off the top uh, of my well, head. There you I always go. take that that last top of my head thing and say, you know what, you need to hear this. If nothing else, if you know, if there's no success down the road, and it's just, you know what, I went out, I had a great time, I gigged. Somebody who interviewed you carries this impression of you, and I will be sorely, sorely upset if after this interview you not only don't come back again, but moreover, you must stay in contact. I am on Facebook, so you should friend me. Okay. I'd like to follow your career, and like I said, I want to give you the open invitation, which I do to just about everyone. But I'd love to have you come back, just for nothing else, just to speak to me. I would love to come back. I, I, I look forward to it. And I've actually Yay. liked your your fan page already. So um, <laughs> look at I, that. I did this that last awesome. night. So. <laughs> You're awesome. Absolutely so, and, wonderful. And we're following each other on Twitter, so it's destined for greatness here. This is awesome. Okay. So I will let you go because I have to prep for my Sons of Anarchy radio show for tomorrow. So I am so glad you did this. Thank you so much. I will post all your information up on Facebook and my write-up shortly after the show. And um, let's stay in touch. I I will. And I I want to say I really appreciate it, Cindy. I I do. And uh, it's people like you that really make this rewarding, to be honest with you. So um, I appreciate you having me, and I'll be glad to come back. So. Thank you, dear. Well, good luck to you, and I'm crossing my fingers, and I will be in touch shortly once you send me a Facebook request. Okay. All right, dear. You have a good evening. All right. You too. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, folks, that was my exclusive interview with Jiggly Jones. Absolutely wonderful man. Um, Again, as I mentioned, I will be shortly after the interview posting up all of his information on the Sins Chat Corner show page, and I will additionally be posting the same set information on my personal page. In case any of you don't know who I am, Cindy, last name M-I-C-H, you can send a friend request. Sins, that's C-I-N apostrophe S, Chat Corner, has a show page presence on Blog Talk Radio and on Facebook. Um, And my Twitter handle is at S-A-N-D-B-1-1-1. So I thank you so much for taking the time and the trouble to listen. One last bit before I go. Tomorrow, blogtalkradio.com backslash Sam, S-A-M, Crow, C-R-O, radio. Four o'clock Central Standard Time, my exclusive interview with actor Lana Sand, which is one of the featured Mayans on the show Sons of Anarchy. Please make it a point to tune in tomorrow. And that's, again, four o'clock Central Standard Time, Lonnie LaSand, Sam Crow Radio. You all have yourself a wonderful evening, and I'll be talking to you on Friday.